The local church is the hope of the world because of its message and because of its good. Let's try it again. Did you, did you hear the word? Some of you did. It's people. Here we go. The local church is the hope of the world because of its message and because of its people. That would be you and me. We are the hope of the world. And that's what that video you just saw was all about. Because think about it. Throughout history, the church has been instrumental in starting hospitals and orphanages, colleges. The, the church has been re, a first responder in times of disaster. It's shaped culture through art and music and literature. I love what that one guy said. It's a revolution of love and freedom 2,000 years in the making. So this morning, you've not come to a building. You've come to a family because the church is the family of God. Now, for the last few weeks, we've looked at something that's so important for every person to understand. God made you with a purpose. In fact, we've talked about five distinct purposes for your life, and we said this, that you cannot accomplish God's purposes without God's what? Same word. People. You can't accomplish these purposes without being connected to God's people. Now, last week, we talked about a purpose that God wants us to pursue together, the purpose of worship. Today, we're going to look at another purpose, something we were created to do together, and that is to be a part of God's family. Now, as we think about what it means to be a part of God's family, we all know this, that we have been deeply shaped and influences, influenced by the families in which we grew up. And here's a very brief story that points that out. One bright, beautiful Sunday morning, everyone in a tiny town wakes up early and goes to church. Before the service starts, the townspeople sit in their pews and talk about their lives and their families. Suddenly, at the front of the church, Satan appears. Everybody starts screaming and running for the front drawer, trampling each other in their efforts to get away from evil incarnate. Soon everyone is evacuated from the church, except for one man, who sits calmly in his pew, seemingly oblivious to the fact that he's in the presence of God's ultimate enemy. This confuses Satan a bit. Satan walks up to the man and says, hey, don't you know who I am? The man says, yep, sure do. Satan says, well, aren't you afraid of me? The man replies, nope, sure ain't. Satan is rather perturbed and says, well, why aren't you afraid of me? And the man says, because I've been married to your sister for 35 years. Are there any perfect families? No. Are there any perfect people? No. That's why there are no perfect families. And listen, we all know this. Family is, is so important. And often, you know, family is a, a source of encouragement and joy and, and hope and, and all those good things. But other times, our families can be a place where we experience disappointment and discouragement and even heartache. But regardless of what you've experienced in your family, know this. God invites you to be a part of his family. Now, in the Bible, when it talks about somebody being born again, what happens is that God's spirit makes you spiritually alive, and you respond with faith in Jesus, and you're adopted into God's family. And what I want you to see this morning is this. God's family is very, very important to him. Now, what is the name for God's family? Take a look at your outline this morning. The church is God's family. The church is God's family. Look at this verse. It says, I'm writing so you'll know how to live in the family of God. That family is the church. 
And check out this verse in Ephesians as well. It says this, his unchanging plan, God's unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. You see, God wanted a family. And that's what this book, the Bible, is all about. It's about God building a family that will love him and trust him and obey him. And catch this, reign with him forever. Now, this morning, we're going to explore what it means to be a member of God's family. And we're going to focus on another purpose for your life, the purpose of fellowship. Now, let me give you a working definition of fellowship. Fellowship is simply loving God's family. Check out these verses. Love your spiritual family. And this one, the person who loves God must also love other believers. Now, church, what we're going to do this morning, I'm going to describe four different levels of fellowship. And as we walk through these different levels, this is what I want you to do. Think about your own experience in terms of church. What level would you say you're at? And then how can you get to the next level? So let's begin. Are you ready? All right, here we go. Level one is membership, choosing to belong, choosing to belong. That means that you find a church family where you get connected to other people. Can we read this next verse together? Are you ready? Let's read this together. You are members of God's very own family, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. Now, you may hear people say from time to time, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christian, but I really don't go to church. I don't have a church family. And there's such a disconnect there because if you're going to follow Jesus, in order to understand what it means to be a, a citizen of the kingdom, a member of God's family, you can't do it alone. You need other people to live out the Christian faith. I've heard a lot of word pictures describing what it is to be a Christian without a church home. Things like, yeah, if you're a Christian without a church home, it's like a football player without a team or a musician without an orchestra or a soldier without a platoon. But one of the most compelling descriptions is this. If you're a Christian without a church home, it's like being an orphan without a family. God wants you to have a church family. Now, with that in mind, I want to share a couple of things that are coming up here at BBCC that relate to membership. One is something that we're going to call a taste of BBCC. Now, what would you expect would happen at an event called a taste of BBCC? Yeah, there's food involved, no doubt. So here's what we'd like to do in just a couple of weeks. If you're new to our church and you have questions, we're going to have a time after our second service. We're going to head over to the adult Bible study room and have lunch together. And what I'm going to do is just share the story of our church, um, talk about where we're headed, give you an opportunity to ask any questions. So be on the lookout for some more information about that next week. And in addition, the following Saturday, and this is going to happen in February, we're going to have our next membership seminar. And uh, many of you have been through this, this class. It's an opportunity to really learn about the vision and the values of our church and, and also just to ask questions as well. So I want to I encourage you, be on the lookout next Sunday for both of those events. So what is the first level of fellowship? You can look at your notes. It's membership. What's the second level? Friendship. And friendship is this, learning to share. Learning to share. I read one time that Howard Hughes, when he was worth a, about $4 billion, said that he would trade it all for one good friend. I think it's encouraging when you read about Christians in the first century, you see that they have these deep friendships. And the question is, how do they develop these friendships? Well, take a look at this verse from the book of Acts. It says this, all the believers met together 
constantly and shared everything with each other. Now, there's two things I want you to notice. They met together. You cannot develop friendships unless you get together with people. I was sharing with First Service that my wife Chris and I were talking with a couple um, last week, and we were just thanking God that we've had friends in our church family for decades. And the question is, well, how does that happen? And the way that it happens is you have to be intentional about that. I think so many people are lonely because they just don't make the time to develop close friendships. Because the fact is we're all really busy. And so is that really a high value, a high priority in our lives? And notice something else. People that have deep friendships don't just spend time together. It says in this verse that they shared everything with each other. So what can we share with each other that will deepen our friendships? Well, here's the first thing that we can share, our experiences. Our experiences. Check out this verse. It says, people learn from one another just as iron sharpens iron. Have you ever heard that expression, it's wise to learn from experience? Well, that's true. But we need to learn from <coughs> the experiences of other people, not just our own. How many of you have ever experienced any successes in your life? You don't have to be modest. I hope you've had some successes. How many of you have ever experienced any failures? Well, I'm flat on your face. I think we all have. Now, have you learned anything from what God's allowed you to go through? Well, sure you have. Now, think about this. Think about the collective wisdom and experience in this room. I mean, if we would really just take the time to get to know each other and share our experiences, we would not only learn from each other, we would forge deep friendships because that's what it takes. Here's something else that we can share in order to develop closer friendships, our homes. And the Bible encourages us to do this. Open your homes to each other. Many of you know that Boynton Beach Community Church began where? Didn't start in a building. Well, it was a building, but it was a home. It was a house. And I think when we first started meeting, we had like 12 adults and six kids. And, and God enabled our church to grow. But did you know that during the first 300 years of church history that there really weren't any church buildings like we have today? Where did people meet? Often it was in homes. And that was a period in history where the church grew exponentially. In fact, if you look at what's happened in China in the last couple of decades, the church has gone underground and grown tremendously. That's also happened in Cuba. And you know this, when you go to somebody's home, you get to know them, right? And that's just, it's a wonderful thing to be invited to come to somebody's house. My wife, Chris, and I have a neighbor, and he's catty-cornered across the street. And at first, you know, we would pull in the driveway, and we just kind of wave, and he'd be sitting on the front porch, and he would wave back. And then we decided, you know, we really need to get to know him. So we would walk over, and he would be there on the porch, and we would have these brief conversations. And then the conversations got a little longer. And then just about a week or so ago, our neighbor said, hey, would you like to come in and see the house? And we thought, you know, we've turned a corner here because he really is opening up not just his house, but his life to us. And he had these pictures of his family and, and the story of his house, and it was just great to get to know him. But church family, that's a great way to get to know each other by inviting each other into our homes. And here's another thing that we can share, our problems, our problems. The Bible says, share each other's troubles and problems. Think about this, if you had a, a problem, serious problem at 2 a.m., who would you call? Is there somebody? Do you have a list of friends that you can really share your troubles and problems with? I've, um, 
I've been involved in church work for a lot of years, and I know this, that joining a church, becoming a member, does not guarantee that you will have close friendships. You can go through decades of church membership and never have deep, meaningful relationships. You can totally miss it. And I know this, that in churches, there are a lot of lonely people. And that's because if you want friends, you have to, you have to intentionally build friendships. It doesn't happen automatically. So how do we do that? Well, we just talked about a, a number of good ways. Share what? What's the first thing we can share? Experiences. What else can we share? Our homes. What's the third thing? Our problems, our troubles. And as we do that, we will forge much stronger friendships. Well, here's the third level when it comes to fellowship, the level of partnership, doing my part. Now, partnership begins when you realize that, that you have an important contribution to make, that your church family actually needs you. I want to show you a couple of verses written by, by Paul, a follower of Jesus back in the first century. And he's talking to a group of people in the city of Philippi, and he says this, I thank my God Every time I remember you, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. And here's why. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Your partnership in the gospel. Think about this. If you're a parent and you have children and you ask your son or your daughter to, say, take out the trash or wash the dishes or if they're old enough to mow the lawn, and they say to you, why? Why do I have to do that? What would you say? What should you say? Because you're a part of this. Yeah, you're a part of this family. And when you're part of a family, you do your what? You do your part. And it works the same way in God's family. And church, here's why that is so important. Because partnership enables a church to reach its potential. Partnership enables a church to reach its potential. One time Napoleon pointed to a map of China and he said this to his military leaders, there lies a sleeping giant. If it ever wakes up, it will be unstoppable. Throughout history, there have been times when the church has been a sleeping giant. But I believe in our generation, the church is going through a new awakening. And I believe this, the church in our day, in our generation, is going to be unstoppable and we shouldn't be surprised. After all, Jesus made a promise. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And church family, let me say this. I am so incredibly thankful that God has called me here to serve as your pastor. And, and Chris and I would both say this together. We really love you guys. And we are so thankful for the encouragement that you give us because, you know, week after week, um, day after day, we see so many of you investing your, your talents, investing your time, contributing your financial resources so that as a church, we can carry out this mission that Jesus has given us. And one of the things that I was thinking about too is that, you know, it really is a privilege to work together, isn't it? That we get to do this together. But it's also incredibly important to remember that we do it with Jesus. And it's through our partnership with Christ and our partnership with each other that the church reaches its potential. I was sharing with First Service that whenever I've had the opportunity to take a mission trip outside the U.S., I always wait for an invitation. And there are certain places that I would like to go, and, and I'll pray about that. But just recently, I got an invitation to go to a place I've never been before, to this, this continent. To Africa. 
And the invitation came from a fellow pastor. Um, some of you know um, Spanish River Church. We're actually a granddaughter church of, of SRC. And their executive pastor, Ron Tobias, um, said to me, hey Dudley, I'm going to Nigeria. I'm going to meet with some of our church planters because Spanish River has this incredible movement of church planting around the world. And he said, hey, would you like to go with me? And my immediate response was, I really would, but I better go home and check first. And so I did. I came home and I, I talked to my wife, Chris, and I said, you know, I've always wanted to go to Africa, and what an opportunity to meet with these pastors and equip them and encourage them and pray with them and hear their stories. I said, what do you think? And she said, well, if God wants you to go, I'm all for it. And I said, I think he does. And so in, in March, um, I'm planning, God willing, to head to Nigeria with, uh, with Pastor Ron Tobias. And I am so excited to go and represent our church and to talk to these pastors because I know this from previous missions trips that when you go to a place outside the States and you make the effort to go and to, to be with these pastors, the joy, the encouragement that you bring to them is even hard to express with words. So I'm looking forward to that. But the story continues because this week, my wife Chris and I had lunch with John and Maritza Hernandez, and many of you know John and Maritza, they're the founders of CIN, Children's Impact Network. And John said, hey Dudley, will you and Chris come back to Columbia um, and serve on our Voice of the Martyrs team and go there and encourage these pastors and their wives and their kids? And we both just looked at each other and smiled because I didn't even really have to ask Chris. I know she wants to go back. And so we're planning on going back to Columbia in, in April. No, is it April? Yes, first week of April, before Easter. But church, what I wanted to say, to say to you is that God is giving our church these opportunities here in our community and even around the world to extend our influence through partnership. And partnership involves every person doing their part. And so I want to ask you to pray for us and also to do this, to pray for believers in other parts of the world as well. Okay, quick review. Different levels of fellowship. What's the first level? Who can tell me? Membership, what's level two? Friendship, what's level three? Partnership, and here is level four, kinship, which means loving believers like family. Now, kinship is a word we don't hear much, but consider this, if you get hurt in an accident, who does the hospital notify? The next of kin. And that's the person who is closest to you. And that's the kind of dynamic that God wants to exist in a church family, for people to really be close to each other. Look at this verse. Be devoted to each other like a loving family. And realize this, that what we do for each other as members of God's family, Jesus takes personally. Look at this verse. These are the words of Jesus. Just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Now, how many of you have ever heard this scripture reference, John 3, 16? If you watch football, you've probably seen it in the end zone. And some of you know how it goes. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now, that verse is talking about the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. But there's another verse in the Bible. It's 1 John 3, 16. And it says this. We know what real love is because... Christ gave up his life for us. And so we also ought to give up our lives for our Christian brothers and sisters. Now that's a verse that many believers in America have never experienced firsthand. Never had to risk my life or give up my life for the cause of Christ or for other Christians, not here in the 
United States. But friends, that's a different story in other parts of the world. And I want to encourage you to do this. To become aware of what's happening to believers in other places. You know, some of you are following the plight of Syrian Christians and how so many of them are refugees and just, you know, the, the crushing needs that exist around the world. And I want to encourage you to um, find out about Christians that are being persecuted in places like Korea and China and Cuba and Colombia and so many nations. And one of the best places to get information is through Voice of the Martyrs. You can go to their website. It's persecution.com. Persecution.com. You can sign up to get prayer requests. And here's why that's so important, because the believers in other parts of the world are our family. They are our brothers and sisters, and they need to know that we care about them, that we love them, and that we're praying for them. So let me ask you a question this morning as we wrap things up. We talked about these different levels of, of fellowship. Where are you this morning? Are you at the level of membership? Have you actually made a commitment that BBCC is your church family? Now, for some of you, um, you may have intended to do that for quite some time. You said, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to that membership seminar, but it just didn't work out. Well, listen, we've got one coming up in February. And you can make that choice to actually say, I want this to be my church home. Now, what was level two? Who can tell me? Friendship. Listen, I want to encourage you, wherever you are in terms of friendships, to deepen those relationships. And we talked about how to do that through sharing your experiences, sharing your homes, sharing your problems. I want you to be intentional, church, about deepening those friendships. So what could you do to reach out to other people right here in our church family? And what was the third level? Partnership. Partnership, the idea of, of using your gifts and abilities to serve. You know, so many of you are doing that. But we're going to have a seminar coming up. Pastor Phil's going to lead it. So you can figure out how you're shaped. How has God uniquely gifted you to make a contribution here in your church family? And of course, the last level is kinship. Having people that you're really, really close to in your church family. Now, as we think about these different levels, there's one fundamental question that you, you might have, and it's simply this. Well, isn't everybody a part of God's family? I mean, isn't everybody a child of God? Well, let me address that question this way. Everybody was created by God. There's no doubt about that. But to be a child of God, to be a son or daughter of God, to be a part of his family, you have to make a choice. Look at this verse. It's from the book of Galatians, and it says this. You are all children of God, how? Through faith in Jesus Christ. Listen, the greatest honor, the greatest privilege you will ever have in this life is to be a member of God's family. And choosing to become a member of God's family begins when you understand the bad news about yourself that's right in this book. Because the Bible says that we are born into this world with a heart that pulls us away from God's purpose, away from his plan for our lives. You see, God tells us that he wants us to love him with all of our heart and mind and strength and soul and to love our neighbor as ourselves, and we just don't do that. And our failure to love is called sin. And the Bible says this, that sin separates us from a holy God. And because God is also just, he has to punish every sin we've ever committed. And that just punishment is to die and to be separated from God forever. But here is where the good news shines in the darkness. God loves you. He loves me. He wants us to know and live out his purpose for our lives. And that's why Jesus comes to our world. 
And in the Bible, there's one God, but he exists in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that God the Father sends God the Son, Jesus Christ, to earth. And Jesus does what we could never do. He lives a perfect life. And then Jesus allows himself to be arrested and beaten and hung on a cross. And on the cross, church, an amazing thing takes place. God is willing to put our sin on Jesus and punish him in our place. The wrath of God that we deserve for our disobedience is poured out on Christ. And he dies for us. But he doesn't stay dead. Three days later, Jesus comes back to life and he offers a brand new life to us. And he says, look, I want you to come and, and admit that you're a sinner and that, that you need a savior because I died for you. Do you believe that? That I died for your sins, that I came back to life because I want you to believe that. I want you to follow me. And when you do that, you become a child of God. You're adopted into God's family and you discover, hey, I've got an incredible purpose for my life. And what you discover is this purpose doesn't just involve Jesus and me, it involves Jesus and we. Because we can't accomplish God's purpose for our lives without each other. And church, let me say this. I have been a pastor for decades now. I was a paramedic and a firefighter for many years. And I've seen a lot of people come to the end of their life and make the transition from this world to the next. And I can never recall hearing somebody say, hey, hey, Pastor Dudley, um, would you bring me that diploma? Would you bring me that trophy? Would you bring me that sales award? I just want to hold it one more time. It means so much to me. But I have heard people say on many occasions, would you call in my family, my friends? Because I want to hold them one more time. And church, my prayer for each one of us is this that we will understand, really understand the importance of relationships. That we'll recognize just how much we need each other and that we will do this, that we will make the time to experience the joy and the encouragement from sharing our lives with each other as members of God's family, the church. Because the local church is the hope of the world because of its message, and because of its people.